Welcome to the One Piece Podcast, where the lore hounds your guides to the Grand Line. I'm John. And I'm Moses. This is our coverage of the massive anime hit, One Piece. In this podcast, we'll be discussing episodes 31 through 53, consisting of two arcs, Arlong Park and Logetown. So hey, if you're enjoying our content and want to give us a leg up, leave us a review and or rating on Apple Podcasts. Ratings help us find more listeners out in the East Blue. For early access to ad-free episodes and exclusive content for just three bucks a month, visit patreon.com slash the lorehounds. And if you want to get in on the conversation, send an email to onepiece at the lorehounds.com and we'll get back to you on the next time we decide to record an episode. Or head to the lorehounds.com to leave us a voicemail or a contact form entry. Lastly, be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about how other shows we're covering on the Lorehounds Network. Moses, you're back. And uh, let's just give everybody some reminders about the formatting of the show before we get started. Uh, we are watching One Piece from the beginning. I am the new watcher, although I've watched through about episode 280 at this point. Uh, and you are the longtime watcher. You've been watching for quite a while. Uh, we'll be covering the show by uh, story arc, sometimes doing one, sometimes multiple. Depends on how dense it is. We won't talk spoilers for the show beyond the current story arc, uh, but we will talk everything before this. Uh, this podcast is going to be an occasional one, and we're going to give everyone a heads up on what we're covering next at the end of the podcast. Moses, uh, these two arcs are sort of a threshold, I think, for the show, wouldn't you say? Definitely cornerstones of the show in general, and especially when it comes to the Arlong arc, it's kind of a culmination of, and you'll see this a lot in One Piece, they kind of take these mini arcs together and mm -hmm. summarize it in one giant arc. The Arlong yeah. arc is kind of uh, the conclusion of all the arcs that we went through last episode. It's kind of, right. you know, the grand, fina the grand finale, as some yeah. would say. Yeah, it, it's, um, I've heard people say, if you're not digging One Piece right away, watch through Arlong Park and then make a decision on when, whether to continue. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely, yeah, like you said, it's a threshold for the show. It's one of those big moments, especially there's a lot of emotional high points throughout the Arlong uh, park arc in general right yeah so this is nami's origin story i think mm -hmm. maybe let's jump in and give our thoughts on it uh while we recap the episodes yeah so you know so far we've had other than luffy really we've had for the other main straw hats we've had the kind of origin stories obviously sanji when he got introduced Usopp when he got introduced right we had a little bit on zoro so far Nami is the one out of those four characters who has been kind of developing in the background. You're kind of unclear of her emotions. She's the cat burglar, et cetera, et cetera. Right. This arc reveals a lot about her past and her history. And she kind of goes from a character that you might despise at a point because she's not on board with the rest of the crew, their antics, mm -hmm. et cetera, to somebody that you gain a lot of sympathy for and you end up kind of feeling like she ends up being a part of the crew, et cetera, et cetera. Not only as a viewer, but Nami also has that kind of internal conflict amongst herself throughout this arc. Yeah. You know, I've seen criticism of one piece in that they make the women a little, uh, booby, uh, <laughs> like oh, most, a, little, anime, a I think. little booby. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think most anime has this issue, but especially one piece, especially Nami and, and another character who comes in later. But this is the arc where they move Nami past this sort of two dimensional character. Yeah. And they turn her into a fully formed person. 
And it's the reason why I can look past some of the superficial issues and say, okay, but this character is vital to the plot, vital to the crew, and sort of shows you things about human nature. You know, it's it's a, a really deep character. It turned Nami into one of my favorite characters, whereas, as you said before, I was kind of annoyed by her a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, you know, fully formed, no pun intended. All right, now that we were talking about boobies. All right, no, all right, no pun intended. All right. But yeah, this definitely adds a layer of emotional depth that Tanami that even honestly, the other characters at this point in time, they there will be a lot more, you know, they go in depth with them, but Nami kind of gets the most explanation of the backstory, um, the deepest exploration of her emotional depth throughout this arc in general out of any of the characters so far. It really highlights her and you know, everything, how she's feeling, what she's gone through in her life, et cetera, et cetera her intentions, her goals. Yeah, it really, this also flipped my mindset on Nami as well, to be honest with you. Great. All right, well, let's dive into it here. Uh, this is the Arlong Park yeah. arc. Uh, the plot line is kind of dense here, so I divided it into five parts that we can discuss. All right, so Luffy, Sanji, Zoro, and Usopp follow Nami to Arlong Park, home of a notorious fishman pirate named Arlong who has ruled in the East Blue. With them in their two boats are bounty hunter friends of Zoro named Yosuke and Johnny. I like to call uh, them background character one, background character two. But. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I don't think I've seen them come back at this point. So no, no. it's uh, do they never come back? No, no. <laughs> this is that. I feel like they spent so much time developing these two. I know. And, you know, One Piece does that a lot. That's one of the things that makes it so great. They give a they give a lot of time to these kind of background characters and a lot of dedication okay. to them. But yeah, these two are. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. They're, big bro. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Big Go. bro. Big sis. Nami. All right. Uh, through a merry mishap, Zoro is captured by Arlong, finding Nami by his side. Nami saves his life, but feigns continued allegiance to Arlong. You know, I, I gotta say, I really thought that Nami was going to be scamming Arlong at this point, even, you know, I, uh, I, I thought she was going to be more like what she did with buggy than yeah. the depth of what she was actually doing here. Yeah. Well, obviously there's that history between her and Arlong that we'll go through as time goes on. That kind of makes her unable to do that. Um, mm-hmm. In general, it's also important to remember that Zoro at this point is really messed up after his fight with Mihawk, like really, really messed up. Yeah. As a deuteragonist, like the second protagonist, essentially, in the series behind Luffy, he clearly gets much stronger. Even even if you could argue that he would defeat Arlong in a fair one-on-one at this point, the damage he suffered from Mihawk is just way too vast. It's way too much, and he's really messed up at this point. He's an easy capture for them. He's almost as useful as background character one and two or useless as background character one and two at this point. So he's an easy capture for Arlong and them. And, you know, like you said, it's at this point, we don't really know about Nami's backstory. So I agree with you. It is kind of shocking that she wouldn't just, uh, you know, sell Zoro down the river so easily or continue to feign or this, uh, you know, essentially play Arlong like she was playing buggy at this point. Yeah, it's kind of surprising because she's been with the crew for several arcs now. She seemed to really bond with the crew yeah. in Syrup Village, I think, was the, the biggest uh, bonding experience with the whole 
um, you know, fight fight almost to Luffy's death. I think that she really felt like a crew member. And then all of a sudden, after Baratier, she just nopes out. Yeah. Very strange. No, no, no. It's um I agree with you hundred percent. She um she's kind of seen their capabilities and what they can do. And while she has really felt like a crew member, her fear of Arlong at this point kind of overrides everything. I mean, as as we'll see going forward, Arlong has just controlled her for a majority of her life. Right. It's almost like watching someone confront their abuser. Yeah. Yeah, that's I actually, mean, it is. Yeah. It is. It, I guess. It, it, yeah, it literally is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is far more deaf of the of this show than I thought I would get at this point. Yeah, you know, One Piece is. I've I've told you before. I have my little complaints as somebody who's seen all of One Piece, but um, when One Piece hits, it hits, yeah. and it really hits a certain level of emotional depth that honestly, most anime, manga, whatever you want to say, can't hit. Right. All right, in Kokoyashi Village, Usopp is rescued by Nami's adopted sister, Nojiko. Usopp is captured by Arlong's men and brought to Nami, who appears to stab Usopp and let his body fall into the water, but actually stabbed her hand to save him. Uh, We learn that Nami and Nojiko were adopted by a marine named Belamir, who found them as small children in a war zone. When Arlong came to Kokoyashi Village, he demanded each adult pay 100,000 berries for their lives, 50,000 for children. Bellamere could only afford to pay for her two children and was killed by Arlong as an example. Nami agreed to become his navigator and made a deal that she could buy back Kokoyashi Village's freedom for 100 million berries. In the present, Nami has almost saved enough money to pay Arlong. Boy, the flashback was incredibly heartbreaking. It was. But the thing that hit the most that made me go, oh, my God, is when it seems like Bellamere is just going to have Nami and Nojiko hide and start hiding them from Arlong and pay her own bounty. But in the end, she goes, no, it's for them because she wants to give them a chance at surviving in the open, which is really heartbreaking. And I'm not sure that was the best decision, honestly. No, I'm not sure if it was the best decision either. And you also see it kind of racks Nami with a lot of survivor's guilt. Um, right. Well, I mean, it's, she literally used the money that would have saved her life to yeah. save their lives. Like, yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess my question is, would it have been better for Bellamere to hide them? I think the villagers would have obviously helped. Uh, would it have been better for her to hide Nami and Nojiko? And then continue to pay her bounty until she could afford to pay for everybody. Mm, see, that's a that's a tough one. How long do you think she could have continued to hide them for? Before I think a decent amount of time. I, I don't know because Nami and Nochiko, especially Nami, were really mischievous at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think no. Nami, especially. I mean, you can tell it shifted Nami's whole personality from this warm, bubbly little girl into this kind of cold, calculating. You know. Right. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I mean. Storyline wise, it is really heartbreaking. Logically, she probably could have, she probably could have hit them for a little bit. I mean, who knows? Right. Though Arlong, as you can tell, is a complete sociopath, and mm-hmm. he might have done something crazy, like made her double it or just killed them anyway, or something to just send a message to them. Right. It's it's worth noting that the fishmen in general are much stronger than your average human being. Like think of how gorillas are compared to human beings. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they're just naturally stronger than humans. And nobody in that town really has any ability to fight back. Arlong ran not just Kokoyasha Village, but the East Blue, essentially, with an iron fist. And until our kind of protagonists come along, there's really nobody who has challenged him for over a decade at this point. Or anybody with any real interest of challenging him at this point. So did Bellamere make the wrong decision? It's really, it's really tough to tell, honestly. It, it's honestly, that's that's a, that's a good question, John. I'm honestly not sure if it was the right decision or not. Um, yeah, maybe she could have hit them. Maybe she could have continued to hide them. But hey, she did what she did out of love. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think this berry calculation too. It's kind of it feels off because we are Americans who are deal used to dealing with small. Yeah. amounts of currency whereas yen is quite a lot more you know a hundred thousand yen is a lot less than a hundred thousand yeah. dollars i just looked up the conversion of yen to usd today and uh so a hundred thousand yen today would be 690 us dollars and so i i guess if we're looking at 700 bucks to save a person now that's not that's not great, but it's not nearly as bad as $100,000 regularly to save yourself. Um, but I think that that goes to when you put that into perspective, they were really poor. Bellamere was really poor that she could not afford 1400 bucks. You know, what's crazy is you would think a former Marine would be more well off at this point in time or have more money saved up to be able to do this, especially more than a lot of, right. you know, the average villagers. And another right. trend that is this, I want to say Bellamere is one of the few Marines we've met so far. Cause we met Axe Hand Morgan and his crew really, you know, they've been chased a little bit by the Marines, mm-hmm. but Bellamere is kind of the first quote unquote good Marine that we've seen. Uh, and you, yeah. you would, you would think yeah. it would be kind of be the opposite, you know, in most shows like this, the Marines and Navy, whatever you want to call them would be the good guys. Well, you got pipsqueak. Yeah, <laughs> you do got fifth week. Um, but, you know, she is a, I don't want to say a common trend among, among One Piece characters going forward, but you'll see a lot of the Navy characters in One Piece going forward. It's going to be like 90% really mean, essentially uh, antagonists. And then there's always, they always have like one or two protagonists who are super by the book or super uh, caring. Mm. within well, among them and Bellamere is kind of the first real one that we get in depth out of those right. super right. good super nice super caring marines right you get it's funny because uh i would say the pirates are about 50 50 the marines are the rule is that they're awful people the exception is they're nice people exactly yeah so captain nizumi arrives in kokayashi village speaking of marines and find Nami's stash of treasure. They take the treasure for themselves and shoot Nojiko in the stomach. Nami accuses Arlong of telling the Marines where her treasure was, but he denies it and mocks her. The villagers rally to confront Arlong, and Nami asks Luffy for help. I didn't write here, but the villagers knew all along what Nami yeah. was doing. Yeah, What a bunch you know, of assholes. I mean, kind of. Uh, you know, and I can't even defend it because they could have helped her save up so easily. They could have, and, and not, not just that, but they also could have just 
secretly at least had nice relationships with her. Yeah. Instead of, you know, portraying her as this mean girl and et cetera, et cetera, letting her, you know, play the mean girl, they could have definitely done better. It's, it's a bunch of, you know, storyline wise, it makes sense and stuff like that. But like, logically it's one of those things where it's like, guys, come on, really, really? Yeah. Guys? Yeah. I mean, this young girl, first of all, it's a young girl, traumatized. young girls, young kids make mistakes. Yeah. Completely young, traumatized. Yeah. Yeah. Traumatized. Just lost her parent. Just wants safety. Kind of wouldn't blame her to just genuinely go along with Arlong. Yeah. But at the same time, they knew and they didn't they could not ever make this girl feel like she was accepted by her home village the whole time she has to think that everyone hates her that's awful you know it, it kind of reminds me i know you've seen a little bit of naruto so it kind of reminds me a little bit of naruto <laughs> where yeah. it's like man you could have just been a lot more honest about the situation and things would have worked out a lot better for everybody involved like if you can keep this secret from this little girl and you can keep X and O all these secrets and stuff that could have totally helped her out on the low and just kept like it a secret she's from gone half the time. Just add a little bit to her stash while she's gone. Exactly. Exactly. And they just, yeah, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent on that, John. I'm with so you does Kokoyashi village even deserve to be saved? No, but it's her home <laughs> and home is where the heart is. So obviously, you know, she's going to try to save her home. It's where Bellamere is. It's where her sister is. Yeah. Nami, take your hundred million berries and get a vacation. That's, yeah. that's my advice to you. Girl, you deserve it. She does. She does. Uh, what do you think about Nojiko? Uh, her, first of all, her personality, we didn't really talk about her much. And second, her shooting, uh, you know, at first I was like, are they related? Cause they basically have the same face drawn. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a, it's a common feature. The kind of facial structures and stuff are kind of, you talked about the female characters before they have a right. certain baseline for almost every female character that isn't just some randomly drawn background character. Um, and, you know, they are adopted sisters. So with Nojiko and her shooting and stuff, I honestly thought she was going to die here too. I Yeah. Yeah. I'm generally pretty um, glass half empty when it comes to the seeing things like this or in general, I've kind of learned to not be that way, particularly about One Piece. But I remember the first time watching this when I was a little kid, I thought she was dead. I yeah. thought I thought she, I thought she went out yeah. just like mama. Well, because it's also early on and yeah. we've, we've just had a death and uh, in the family, Nami, it needs motivation to go away. It was kind of a, a good moment for her to die, honestly. Uh, as yeah. as dark as that is to say, no, no. Um, for for a character motivation standpoint, I mean, yeah, and I feel like we hit this point in the future with a lot of One Piece characters where it seems like it should be their time, or it would be best narrative wise if it was their time to go for motivation's sake, for just storyline sake in general, and they kind of give you the up and under, they kind of give you the old, you know, one two, they fake you out a little bit. This is one of those moments where Nojiko, she could have gone. It's not like she, um, you know, it's not like her importance is that of Nami's where she's going to be consistently recurring throughout the, the series and stuff like that. And she has to stick around. Yeah, but easily yeah. written out. 
easily. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to be nice about it, but yeah, yeah, easily. She's easily written out. So is Mr. Pinwheel Hat. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm gonna be honest with you, John. Everybody in this arc is easily written out, basically. Yeah. In, term, in yeah. terms of the the Kokuyasha Village characters, yeah, they're basically easily written out. So something that really is big in this moment is Nami actually breaks down and asks Luffy for help, which is the first time this has happened. And it, it felt really genuine and it was a big character moment for this character for both characters, I think. And that's a, that's a common occurrence. That's going to happen a lot through, at least throughout the straw hats, um, them kind of breaking down emotionally. You're getting to a point where they have nobody to turn to and you have this super, happy-go-lucky, goofball, uh, do anything, will literally sacrifice himself for his entire crew, Luffy, right? And they'll ask him for help, and his complete... What's the word I'm looking for here? His mindset shifts completely. He goes from happy-go-lucky to serious in a moment. Yes, and he it's, does. It's one of Luffy's kind of redeeming traits, this self-sacrifice that he has, this willingness to do anything for his crew. And yeah, it's, it's definitely one of his defining character traits in general. Uh, it's, it's not me having a, an emotional breakdown at this point. Let's be honest yeah. with you. She's gone through so much and she has nothing else really. This is her one hope. It's basically Luffy's going to help her or she's going to just be a slave the rest of her life. Right. And also Luffy going, you know, I don't need to know the backstory. He doesn't need yeah. to know what happened to her. He just knows that's my friend. I'm going to help her. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He sees her crying. He sees her asking for help. And it's just go time for Luffy. He's ready to punch Arlong in the face. And that's and where we're going next. We're going to Arlong Park. Yeah. And you know what? This is the walk to Arlong Park. It's... um. It'll happen a couple of times. These kind of slow walks with the, with the music playing, dun 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 dun, and all the like in the all the characters kind of walk yeah, together. Yeah, super it's, good. It's, yeah, no, it's it's super cool, and it happens a couple of times. This is the first time that it happens where they all kind of group up. You see their you see the seriousness, their intentions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All the joking from the series goes aside, and that's one of the great things about One Piece is the ability to shift tones back and forth from happy to sad. The serious in a moment's notice almost. Right. Well, speaking of shifting tones, we'll be taking a break. And when we get back, we'll head to Arlong Park. And we're back. Time to head to Arlong Park, Moses. Luffy and the Straw Hats confront the Arlong Fishmen. Luffy fights Arlong, punching him in the face first, of course, for making Nami cry. Sanji fights Kurobi, and Zoro fights Hachan. Luffy yeah. gets his feet stuck in the concrete, and the fishmen nearly drown him by putting him underwater. Sanji and Zoro win their fights, and Usopp defeats Chu, who had been chasing him through the island. Luffy destroys Nami's room in Arlong Park because of the pain it brought her, then defeats Arlong. I summarized quite a lot there. There were a lot of episodes there. Uh, but the main idea is with this super long many episode anime fight, uh, this was a tough fight. This this was one where, look, I know they're going to win in the end, but I, I love when I don't know how. Mm -hmm. Especially with nerfing Luffy by sending him underwater for a while. Uh, made me laugh a lot when they just lift his head up out of the water. 
Yeah. You get to see the, well, first off the contrast, the fishmen are stronger in underwater than they are on land, um, which right. honestly they could have done a lot more with, but the devil fruit users such as Luffy and characters to come later are completely nerfed. Not even, not even like, you know, they're weakened underwater. They are useless underwater. Right. They, right. they literally can't move. They can't do anything underwater. Um, well, you know, at first I'm thinking to myself, are these devil fruit users, these fishmen? Because I, I, I was new to this at the time mm-hmm. when I first watched this. I don't know really how devil fruits work. I don't know if there's duplicates of, of them. And I'm thinking, are these just a group of people who either ate a specific devil fruit or they, you know, are descended from somebody who ate a devil fruit that was a fish men yeah. thing? I guess that's not true, right? This is a specific no. genetic dynasty. It's a, it's a whole other species, essentially. It's basically yeah. a whole other humanoid species. Yeah. Uh, actually, to answer your question, so I, I think they've laid this out so far. If you eat more than one devil fruit, you die. Right. Oh you no, can't. I mean, would the, is there more than one devil fruit? Right. Oh, of, of the same kind. Multi- yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Th- so there's only one in, in the world at a time of each individual. Oh, at a time. Fruit. So these mm-hmm. these are like the Dragon Balls. They cycle. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And once the devil fruit user dies, then his fruit will generally spawn in somewhere else in the world randomly. You'll actually see a lot of people. For example, uh, you know, when you go back to the flashback, Shanks had the devil fruit that Luffy ended up eating in a kind of box and stuff without going into too much detail in it. You know, he was looking for that devil fruit for a minute and mm. he ended up finding it. And Luffy just ended up, you know, doing his own thing and just kind of ruining Shanks's whole plan with it. Interesting. Um, so can, can you share a devil fruit with somebody? No, you can't. You have to eat the whole fruit to give it a, an effect. Basically, whoever takes the first bite of the, the fruit, that's who's going to end up getting the power. Well, that makes zero sense to me, but okay. Look, it's uh, <laughs> I don't make the rules, all right? It's just, yeah, yeah. Whoever, whoever eats it first, essentially, is going to end up getting the power of the devil fruit. Right, right. Um, okay. All right, fair enough. And you'll, you'll notice in this arc, it's kind of also indicative of what goes forward. You'll notice that Luffy fights the main antagonist. Zoro will generally fight the second uh, antagonist, and Sanji fights the third antagonist. Right, and then Usopp gets into a misadventure. Basically, where he gets his ass kicked a bunch of the times and cries, and then through a mix yeah. of... I yeah, I mean, it's definitely... He definitely gets lucky a lot of times, but he is actually pretty smart. It's a mixture of luck, strategy, and yeah, it's... I, I like Usopp more the more he goes, because he, he yeah. does get smarter, he does invent more things, he does sort of lean into his strengths and fight his weaknesses a little bit. Yeah, no, he definitely does. Definitely remains a coward. <laughs> that never changes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But he definitely, uh, highlights his strengths a lot better going forward. Right. The fight in general, what'd you think of it? Is, where does this rank on your so far one piece fights? Oh, so, so far this is the best fight so far. Yeah. As, it's, it's, the, it's very good at this point in time. It's the best fight. Um, so it is Luffy's toughest fight, I want to say, but at the same time, he's definitely stronger than Arlong at this point. And a lot of Luffy's, especially towards the end of the fight, a lot of Luffy's focus isn't particularly on Arlong. Mm-hmm. It's, it's on this freeing I- Nami, right? Mm-hmm, yep. And this idea of freeing her by destroying the tower. That yeah, I really in. loved that. I loved that. Yeah. He, bro- he sort of broke her prison. Exactly. Exactly. That's kind of where his focus is at. It's really symbolic. 
her break him breaking her prison, freeing her from this place where she's essentially been jailed for the majority of her life at this point. And really, it's not just breaking her prison. It kind of, you know, we're talking about Nami becoming a crewmate and really becoming a part of the crew. This is kind of the moment where she decides that she's going to dedicate her life to Luffy and dedicate her life to the crew after seeing all that he would go through for her. Yeah, and not that she won't challenge him, but she is yeah. fiercely loyal to him and oh, to yeah. the crew after this. 100%, 150%, yeah. And this is kind of the defining moment. I want to say, honestly, this is the defining moment of the arc right now where he destroys that tower and frees yeah. her and you see all the maps and everything going flying all over the place. Yeah, right. I want to say this is the defining moment. Right. Well, we're not done with consequences of this arc. Nazumi, angry that Luffy has ruined his plans, gets a bounty put on Luffy's head. Nami officially joins the Straw Hat Pirates. They set sail, but not before Nami steals everyone on the island's wallets. Yeah, and she does that as so that she can essentially um, Force make it so that she can't come back. back. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, she, yeah, so she resolves herself not to go back. You'll see the bounty system that gets put in place is really cool, actually. It's one of the coolest things about One Piece. And you'll oh, see yeah? their bounties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love it. Why um, is it cool, the bounty system? It's, in some aspects, it's a power scaling method used throughout mm-hmm. the series. You'll see Luffy and the entire crews, honestly, just continue to go up and up and up. You'll see them run into characters with higher bounties, and it'll immediately let you know, oh, this character is a bigger threat, especially as you see, I think, ba- what's his initial bounty? It's like 30,000 or something like that. 30, I mean, about 30 million. 30, 30 million. million. Yeah, 30 yeah, million. Yeah. Sorry. 30 million. Yeah, it's kind of a power scale in general, especially as you'll see the crew's bounties continue to go up and up and up and up more and more and more over time. You'll see them run into villains who start having crazy berry amounts that start getting into the hundreds of millions at certain points. And right. it's it's not indicative that this character is stronger than this character because their berry amount might be higher. There's other things that go into factor, for example, cruelty stuff like that goes into factors or the amount of destruction that they'll cause, you know, will add up uh, multiplying their berries, the amount of berries on their bounties. But in general, it's a baseline level to how strong X and O character is at this point in time or how big of a threat they are to the world's government in particular. Nice. Nice. Uh, So let's go on to the next arc where we can discuss these bounties in a little bit more detail. Uh, this is the Logetown arc. So mm-hmm. we, I did skip over a little bit. There's a filler arc, but it kind of matters to this, which is that Buggy the Clown shows Bye. up and meets Gaiman, who was this guy who got stuck in a box oh in, a, in a treasure chest. You have no idea how many memes there are about this Gaiman character and how he's supposed <laughs> to be a pirate king and stuff like that. You, you said he should be the pirate king? There's so many memes about it. So many stupid little memes about it or how he's the strongest character in the series, etc. He's king et of the forest. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's, yeah. Just, <laughs> I mean, personally, I remember Gaimon more from the memes than I do his actual, like, two episodes, three episodes that he's actually around. Mm-hmm. So he, so he doesn't show up much after this? He never shows up ever again. <laughs> That's so funny. So they, we had the arc where he met Luffy and the others. Yeah. And then now we have this short arc where uh, Gaimon meets Buggy and they have their little 
their their little council of people who have had unfortunate events as pirates. I'm not gonna lie, I don't I don't really have too much to say about Gaimon other than he got caught in a treasure chest and that's just his life now. I well, don't... at the end of at the end of this short stupid arc, uh, Buggy does meet Alvida. Yeah. Who uh, who oh, she she's revealed as Alvida in the next arc, so that's fine. Um, that we're about to talk about. So he meets Alvida, who helps him get his body back, basically, at his crew. Yeah, and she has a complete um, 180 in terms yeah. of, you know, her initial appearance and stuff. She's devil-fruited. Yeah, and she kind of, like 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 we were talking about before with a lot of the female characters looking the same, she kind of, you know, fits that... Uh, conforms to that kind of standard that a lot of the one piece females have at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go into Logue town now that we talked about Gaimon. <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay. Before they set sail to the grand line, the crew stops in Logue town, the place of the birth and death of Goldie Roger Luffy's hometown and Shanks learn of Luffy's new 30 million berry bounty and are very proud of him. Zoro meets a marine swordswoman and buys two new swords, including a curse one. Meanwhile, Buggy the Clown reappears and captures Luffy in the gallows of the town square. Marine Captain Smoker looks on as Luffy smiles in the face of death, just like Goldie Roger in the same spot. Just before Luffy is killed, lightning strikes Buggy's sword and breaks the platform. In their escape, Zoro has a duel with Tashigi, the swordswoman, and Luffy and Sanji fight Smoker, who they cannot land a blow on. They are saved by a mysterious figure and head to the Grand Line. Oh, you know, I, I barely remembered this arc before I went back to it. But when I go back, it's actually a pretty meaningful arc. It's extremely meaningful. It, um, Yeah, that mysterious figure at the end, I kind of want to, I know we're kind of jumping, you know, to the end, but I just want to bring him up real fast. He is a extremely important character, Johnny. And I don't think you're at the point yet where it's revealed who he is, but no, I don't think I know. Yeah. You know, one piece does this where they will kind of hint at these characters and then have a payoff hundreds and hundreds of episodes later. That's pretty fun um, though. I mean, that's a, that's a long-term plan. It, it is fun. And it is a nice long-term plan. And, you know, they did a great, they've done a great job so far with this character, even now to the point where we are, you know, I've read I've read the manga where we're 1,100 episodes in, and we still don't know everything about this character yet. Hmm. Now we know a lot about him. We're a lot more than definitely a lot more than you know at this point. But a lot of the quote unquote coincidences that happen during this arc, you know, like the lightning striking, buggy stuff like that, you find out that they aren't coincidences. Well, that makes a lot more sense than divine intervention. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we you talked about uh, Sanji and Luffy not being able to land a hit on Smoker at this point in time. Mm-hmm. That is an issue that the crew is going to face over the next few arcs when it comes to these, um, what's it called, Paramecia-type Devil Fruit users. So that's essentially Devil Fruit users who can turn their bodies into, uh, you know, different kind of physical forms. Okay. Like yeah. Smoker here is Smoke. Oh, yeah, well, great name. The real, yeah, we'll, real original. We'll, we'll save it with Smoker for now. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it with Smoker for now. But you'll see that's a kind of a issue that they have uh, for the continued future. And Smoker ends up being a recurring. See, I don't even want to call him a villain. Um, no, he's kind of gray. 
He's kind yeah. of, I kind of like him. He's one of the Marines that I don't think he's a great person, but I think he has principles mm-hmm. and I think he largely acts on them. Yeah. Yeah. And I forget what it is. Like one of the sayings, like, you know, the best villains are ones who have uh, a certain intention or yeah. they have he, a, he's an adversary for sure. He's an adversary. The, he's an adversary. Of the straw hats, but he's absolutely. not a villain necessarily. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you on that. He definitely presents a, a struggle to them in this, uh, in the near future. And throughout honestly, we talked about the R long arc kind of being a culmination of the previous arcs. Smoker is kind of this adversary that they have through the next culmination of arcs going forward. And this is his kind of first moment to shine and et cetera, et cetera. Cool. Yeah, I liked Smoker a lot. I liked how he waited for Luffy to be killed instead of rushing in and trying to steal the glory for himself. He said, you know what? The job is going to get done either way. I'll give Buggy a shot first. I kind of I kind of yeah. like his uh, willingness to improvise. Yeah, well, yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, also, a lot of this arc, it goes kind of into the doesn't go too crazy into it, but you kind of. You know, from the intro of the show, Goldie Roger, you want to find my my treasure? It's hidden in one piece. This is kind of the first time you get a mini explanation on Gold on Gold Roger and his yeah, past yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. And you know, it's it's really cool to kind of have these flashbacks. The, the way how they really develop these early chapters, I'm sorry, episodes of One Piece, and slowly but surely explain the universe. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's really good. I also like the whole Luffy going, All right, well, I guess I'm gonna die now, you know. It's yeah, Luffy, yeah. Luffy smiling Accepting. in the face of death and the effect it has on Smoker. Where yeah. he he goes, Oh man, that looks very familiar. And in my head I'm like, is he the reincarnation of Goldie Roger? Is he you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. And uh, you know, they they do share a middle initial. What's that about? The D. So honestly, I'm real with, real with you, John. They are still explaining the D to this point in time. They are still, they've explained a lot of it. Um, it is a symbol. It's symbolic. The D is symbolic and the initial is symbolic in his name. And it does, you'll meet more and more characters over time that have that same initial. And it's just something to kind of look out for, for these characters. It means that they have some kind of significance to not just the series from a viewer perspective, but to the universe as a whole. Interesting. Now yeah. I'm excited to see more about that. Definitely. Uh, Tashigi, I feel like I've heard you talk about her before in a very exasperated way. Uh, she could have just, it seems like she could have just had so much more potential because um, she's supposed to be in a sense, like you're talking about Luffy being like the reincarnation of Goldie Roger, right? which, mm-hmm. you know, could be, could not be. No spoilers around anything. Um, right. Tashigi's supposed to be, you know, this reincarnation of Zoro's childhood friend. And, or at least, you know, somebody similar to her. And she just fails on every front in my eyes. Yeah. Just, just she just, personality doesn't line up. The strength doesn't line up. She's, I'll be honest with you. So I'm, I'm really trying to avoid spoilers here john but mm-hmm. i don't think she wins a single fight in the entire series 
I don't yeah, think it's it's hard yeah. to do that, right? It's hard to have somebody who's supposed to be a worthy adversary who never wins. The smoker was winning the fight against Luffy yeah. and Sanji, and so becomes a scary adversary. Exactly, exactly. And Zoro basically just manhandles Tashigi. Like Yeah. Yeah. Like all all she, and it's not just that. It's like you know, Nami's not a strong fighter either, right? But as we as we went through like the last chapter, her character's got some, or the last episodes, her character's got some depth. Um, yeah, and, and not everybody needs to be the strongest fighter, right? No. Like they can have, they can offer something else. The crew needs Nami for her navigation, yeah. for her brains. I, I think she adds more to the crew than most, honestly, because they can't get anywhere without her. Absolutely, and you know, there's a couple different ways to kind of highlight your characters. You could have, you could show their actions. You could have somebody speak about their actions. You could have them speak about their actions, et cetera, et cetera. And Toshigi's kind of built up as like Smoker's right hand. Or, and at no point in time does she show the capabilities of being like a right hand man or somebody who should be, you know, where Zoro is to Luffy, you know, somebody who's strong and can fight on his own and kind of have his own stories, et cetera, et cetera, and go through his own battles and his own adversaries without Luffy. Toshigi shows none of those qualities. And overall, right. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of her character, to be honest with you. I, I think I think I agree with you. I mean, she's pretty two dimensional compared to most of the other characters in the show. It's a shame because I I agree with you. Could have been a really yeah. big moment for Zoro, and it seemed like that whole moment was based on her looks, which is it's just yeah. it's not what what you want. It really was based off her looks, and just I'm not gonna lie. So she she does you know her and Smoker pop up a couple times. And honestly, this is probably the most narrative importance that she has is her introduction. And it's kind of a shame. There could it could have been a, a lot more could have been done with her character, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, that's a shame. But we did have some fun times, like Buggy sort of sleuthing through the city trying to find Luffy and accidentally paying for his table or something like that. A lot of fun stuff happened in there. A lot of fun stuff, a lot of not so, I mean, there's a lot, there's some, you know, not so fun stuff too. Like, like we talked about, it does get pretty intense, especially during the smoker arcs. Like there are some, or Luffy in general, he, it seems like he gets away with death a couple times here. Yeah. So Logetown in general, Luffy gets saved or gets out of a couple of sticky situations where it seems like he should be done for. He should be cooked with a smile on his face. Don't get me wrong. And it seems like he should be done and he just gets saved miraculously at the last moment in time. But you'll see as the series goes on and progresses that a lot of these events that occur to him aren't just a side effect of luck or divine intervention or etc. There is a narrative reason behind him escaping these situations. Yeah. Um, I like when series explain luck and explain seeming divine intervention. The wheel of time does this in a really good way. And I think that the, when, when you can make plot armor into something meaningful, it's an extremely interesting yeah. turn on the trope. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I'm not going to act like Luffy doesn't have plot armor at certain points in times. I mean, don't they all? Yes, definitely. Not in an extensive even whole big bro had plot armor. Oh, Zoro gets a good amount of plot armor. I'm not gonna. Lie. I I meant uh, the the guys who say big. Oh oh, the two of them. Oh yeah, <laughs> Yosuke yeah. and uh, Johnny. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, like 
Yeah, they sometimes they come in with the name and you're like, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just got all Usopp, these- Luffy, Zoro, Yosaku, Johnny. <laughs> Johnny. Yeah, no, it um, yeah, they give plot armor to a lot of characters sometimes who don't deserve it. As we go, I think maybe I don't know if it'll be the next episode we go into, but maybe two episodes from now. I promise you, Johnny, I'm gonna get. There's gonna be one moment that really, really triggers me. That really okay. triggers me. Um, I know what I you're talking about because we've talked about it before. Yeah, that super duper triggers me, and I'm gonna yeah. rant about it for a minute. But um, yeah, you know, a lot of characters get plot armor. A lot of times that don't deserve it per se. But with Luffy, a lot of his plot armor is explained in a narrative sense. Now, Oda, the creator, probably doesn't feel like he has to, that we probably shouldn't even care about a lot of these background characters. And in writing them so in depth and giving them these backstories, even for, you know, somebody like Gaimon, for example, he did not have to spend that much time writing about (laughs) this, this man caught in a treasure chest, right? It seems like he develops an emotional connection to a lot of these secondary and background characters. Right. And maybe he just doesn't want to kill them off. I'm I'm not sure. You know, it's one of the frustrations I've had with the series, even though I love it so much. But yeah, Luffy's plot armor in general is explained or has a narrative point about 90% of the time, which is a lot more than a lot of other protagonists that you'll find in not just anime or manga and just no, any absolutely. kind of series. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's only recently that I think different, you know, books and shows and movies have started to walk away from plot armor. I think Game of Thrones did a lot of work to make that less popular. Definitely. definitely. Uh, it also did a lot to harm the genre in the end, but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, no comment. And anyway, no comment. I, I like when when it is explained, and I hope that there's more of that as we go forward. Uh, speaking of going forward, I want to announce what we're going to be covering next. Uh, you've alluded to it, but we are going to be. We just ended the East Blue Saga. That's over now. And we are going to be going into the Alabasta Saga, which has five arcs. But what we're going to do is we are going to go with the first few arcs and then save the main Alabasta arc for the next episode. So that means we're going to be doing episodes 54 through 91. 54 through 91. We're doing four arcs, Reverse Mountain, Whiskey Peak, Little Garden, and Drum Island. Okay. Does that sound fun, Moses? That sounds fun. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Sounds like we're, we're we are going to have a lot to talk about. Those are some good arcs. There's a lot, a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, but I wanted to save the main Alabaster arc because that's one of my favorite arcs still. I want oh, yeah. to save the main Alabaster arc and give it its own episode. Oh, yeah, there's some really cool moments in Alabasta. And honestly, it deserves a kind of two-parter. Um, not So, man, I know I keep saying that these arcs get divided into mini arcs, get divided into... But these mini arcs, you know, they get divided into Yeah, you got the arcs, sagas and the arcs. Yeah, Alabasta is kind of... So One Piece in general, it has it's two parts. You know, it has its little time skips that happen down the road, but we don't got to get into that. Right, right. Um, Alabasta is essentially the end of part one of part one of one piece, if that makes sense. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. I really like the Alabasta arc. Alabasta is where I started to really get into the show. So I'm yeah. excited to share that with our listeners. Uh, of course, so in that that'll be our September episode will be the beginning of the Alabasta arc uh, the Alabasta saga. Sorry. 
and then we will do the Alabasta arc in October. So we got a lot ahead of us. We got a lot ahead of us. They're We're only going. We're still in double digits. We're, yeah. we're still not in the triple digits. We got, we got a episodes. lot to go. They're, they're going to yeah. hear me raging, Johnny. They're going to hear me. You know what I'm, they're going to hear me raging. I'm I firing know. up my I cannon. Know. I know. All right. So, so let's do our listener feedback. We don't really have listener feedback, but I'm going to cheat and steal a comment from our discord where we actually had, we had two people. We had scribe Jack ask, uh, are you guys watching filler episodes? Yes. Yes, we are. Although we're kind of just briefly touching on them. Yeah. Uh, then we have DJ Miwa asking, are you guys open to other anime series? If so, may I ask you to give your hearts? I guess that is an attack on Titan reference. And uh, I have not watched that of you. Moses? I've seen, I've read all of attack on Titan. I've watched it all. I would definitely be down to do attack on Titan. We got to finish one piece first, but then I'm down to do attack on yeah. Titan with you. Yeah, I'd definitely be down to do that at some point in time, 100%. Yeah, yeah, we'll workshop it. All right, uh, one other note I have for you. Moses, we have the One Piece Netflix live action series coming out in September. Are we going to talk about it? Uh, <laughs> we can if you – I. here's the thing. With these live actions, I don't really have much faith in them. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'll probably watch it. Just as a, and I know it, I think it only goes through Arlong Park, if I'm correct. I think that's right. So yeah. I'm down to watch it, but I'm not going to lie. If, see, the thing about it if is. If it's bad, uh, if it's bad, we'll skip it. If it's good, maybe we'll talk about it. How about that? Even if the acting's good, a lot of it comes down to the CGI and stuff, which is. Yeah, I didn't love the look of the rubber arms in I the trailer. So I'm hoping that it, it looks a lot, lot better. I didn't love the look of a lot of it, to be honest with you. Yeah. But. Yeah. I'm down to give it a try, but I'm not going to lie. If it, if it kind of doesn't seem so great, I'm probably going to drop it pretty fast. That's fair. All right. Well, let's do our outro quickly. So uh, let's just talk about our programming quickly. Then we'll do our Patreon shout outs. Moses, you've got another One Piece episode with me next month. Uh, until then, we have so much content coming. I am honestly stressed about getting it recorded. But I, I this is my second podcast I've recorded today, and I'm doing another one tonight. And um, we have a lot going on. We have Foundation Season 2 on Apple TV+. Plus. We've got screeners for those, so we're putting those episodes out when the embargo lifts on Friday mornings. Uh, that's going really well. I'm really enjoying that season. I don't know if you watched that, Moses, but we are having a blast. No, I'll definitely check it out, though. But, you know, a little, a little bit busy, a little bit busy, you know? I hear you. I hear you. Life. Well. Uh, Star Wars is back in full swing with Ahsoka coming on August 23rd. Episodes one and two are starting that night. So they're doing a double premiere. We're going to be covering that in full. So check that out. There's also the Ahsoka feed you can subscribe to right now. If you search for Ahsoka, the Lorehounds, you will find us uh, on our secondary feed if you just want those episodes. I will definitely Uh, check that out. 100%. It it looks great. It's basically Rebel Season 5, it looks like. Yeah, no, that I'm definitely... I definitely am going to check that out 150%. Well, Moses, if you want some prep for that, you can listen to our Ahsoka retrospective podcast. We've put out one episode already on her adventures in the Clone Wars. We're putting out another episode this coming Wednesday for uh, about her in- adventures with the Rebels. So you will have all your animated background for the show. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Good stuff. Uh, second breakfast for patrons, of course, is keeping going this month. David and I are about to record that tonight. 
that's our Patreon exclusive. You can get that by going to patreon.com slash the lorehounds. In September, we have one more show starting. We have full coverage of the Wheel of Time starting. We also got screeners for that. So that'll be good. We'll be able to put those episodes out on Fridays as well when the embargo drops. And we're excited to talk about that. I just recorded a preview episode with David and Alicia where we talked about the trailers, the new scene that they dropped at the end of season one for season two. And uh, it's looking like it's going to be a good season. So join us on that. Of course, we've got our monthly podcast like the Lorehounds play Skyrim this month. We've got uh, the uh, Silmarillion stories episode this month coming and even more. I can't even fit everything that I want to say in this because there's too much Moses. Yeah. It seems like you guys are extremely busy. I'm happy I could just be a part of this for you with this one piece. And it looks like you guys are really, really kicking things into motion. I'm really proud. It's of you, happening. Tom. We had yeah. a slow June and then July and August have just been nuts. Uh, and it's going to keep getting nuts. Moses, I have one more thing I got to tell you. We have a Patreon and we have a bunch of lovely patrons, including our lore masters, our top tier patrons. And they are keeping us making these podcasts, keeping us sailing the grand line. So we give them a shout out every episode. Yeah. Those are Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa. Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Dead Eye Jedi Bob, and Nathan T. Boy, we've got a lot of patrons going on right now, uh, and we are so happy to have you. Hope you've been getting your letters in the mail with your stickers for our one-year anniversary if you were a patron by the end of July. Uh, if you have any issues, of course, send us an email, and uh, you can send feedback for One Piece for the next episode at onepieceatthelorehounds.com. Please do so. We'd love to talk about this fun series with you, and we will see you next month. See you next month. The Lorehounds Podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions, feedback, and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all our episodes at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities.